A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster in that time. And this week is a business special. So we'll be talking all things work, work life, business balance, and making millions. Let's talk about making millions. I want to do that. Uh, So kicking off this week, I'm Harriet Minter and I'm here with my beautiful co-hosts. Ladies, introduce yourselves. Hello, my name is Natalie Campbell and I am officially is in like the external world have said I'm a badass because I won uh, a Women of the Future Award last Amazing. week. Amazing. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cue the music. You Cue are the, the music. Future. So, and I rocked up on the stage in my Valentino dress and my Milano bonnets. Looked hot as hell. And had an amazing night. So I'm feeling very badass. And now the world has basically said it's true. Great. So, yeah, it's me. nice to be appreciated. Of course. Always nice to be appreciated. Emma, how are you and what has your week been like? I'm great. So I'm Emma Sexton. I'm the co-founder of Make Your Words Work, a design agency and also Flock Global. And I've been trying really hard to make a million pounds. Yeah, just yeah. constantly hustling, trying a bit harder each week. So yes, nothing, not winning any awards this week. Oh, but I can feel the million pounds coming for you. Yes, any second now. Yes, any second. Yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> now, what is it like to win a Women of the Future award? It's it's amazing. Um, in terms of the event, there there were like six hundred people there, um, over ten categories, and I took my family. So we were all sitting on a table, and there, there's that moment when they call your name, and I haven't won an award before, but they call your name. And the sort of the jumping out of the seat, but trying to look very demure at the same time. And I didn't realise, but they also expected people to say a speech. Usually the awards that I go to, you go on stage, you shake hands and you get off. And I had to say something. So between the finding out I'd won and trying to listen to how they introduced me, I then had to think about what I was going to say. And obviously I went up on stage and swore and told everyone that they should be badass. And people were like, that was just so amazing and fabulous. Because what came through was being authentic. I was just me. I, I didn't try and overthink it. I was just me. So yeah. There is a lot to be said for being authentic and being yourself. We're going to talk about that, I think, in part two as well. We talk about what it's like to be an entrepreneur because that's what we're going to um, after our kind of news roundup. And that's what we're talking about first. So tell me, what is in the news for you this week, ladies? What are we talking about? What is bothering you, worrying you? What do we need to set the world to rights on? Nat? Mansplaining. Oh. So I don't know how the article got here, but... Uh, because what was announced was that a union in Sweden um, were uh, setting up a hotline to support women that felt talked down to in the workplace or, you know, just giving them some space to vent. So it wasn't rolling around in the back of their mind. Nothing wrong with that. I love Sweden. Yeah. That's of a great course, PR The Nordics. Well. I, th- I think we talk, about, we talk about it all the time. Something going on in, in the water. If only it was sunnier, we'd all be living there. Standardly. <clears throat> yeah. Have you seen the men? Yeah, Hello. that's true. Hello. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, this this hotline uh, has has been um, turned into a, a, a kind of cause around mansplaining, and what people have said is it in itself is actually quite derogatory because it's a, a hotline for women to talk about men in, in the workplace, and it's been quite funny watching it roll out and, and play out across Twitter. But I I think the principle in terms of business, if you I don't think there are many places you can go to if you're not within an organisation, to just actually vent. I'm all for being able to vent well, and, and talk about stuff. So if, just so for anyone who doesn't know what mansplaining is, Emma, can you 
woman'splain mansplaining for yes, us I guess mansplaining is um is quite often when a guy will uh I, th- I guess it's condescending, right? They will kind of over-explain something because they think you don't understand. And it happens all the time. And I, uh, Yeah, for some reason, I think women's opinions haven't been uh, appreciated or, I don't know, especially in, in business. I think there's something about the whole culture of work and, and what's gone before where it's like, oh, you can't possibly know what you're doing. So I'll over-explain that to you. And it's also, I find that thing where you've said something and then a man explains it back to you. And you're like, no, I just... I just said that. Why? Why do you think that, that never I don't happens know? to me? That does not happen to me. It must just do. Saying. Really? No. It must do. It doesn't happen to me. It must have happened to you. I swear. In well, in recent times, it doesn't happen to me. Men don't explain what I've said back to them. So I'll be like, "Yeah, that's what I just said." So can we move on now? <laughs> no, not that aggressively. <laughs> it, it doesn't happen in in that way. But I, you know, I think the the initiative what I think is funny is the initiative that was launched was actually it's a hotline for women to talk about what's going on in the workplace usually the things men have done wrong in the workplace and Twitter's fear has taken it on and it's turned into mansplaining and that's the thing that I find funny Um, you know are we now in a world where you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't setting something up to support women no matter what is going to be seen as is a negative or derogatory um, and maybe there was a lost in translation thing here too. You never know. Does well, it help the cause though? Does it help the cause to have a a, a a hotline where people are moaning? Like I'm just a big like I don't know. Moaning to me just isn't very. I don't. It's really easy to moan. It's very very uh, hard to come up with a a way to fix it. I'm a solutions person, mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, mansplaining is a problem. How do we raise awareness of mansplaining <laughs> rather than just have a big bitch about it, which is still funny, but you know, I'd just like to end mansplaining rather than just have a hotline to keep moaning about it. And also, the other thing is, can you imagine the outcry if they had set up a hotline for men to complain about all the things that happened at yeah. work? Yeah. And actually, maybe men need that hotline. Do they need the bitches at work or my boss is too bossy hotline. Is that what they need? <laughs> my boss's heels are turning me on a meeting. Yes. What should I do? <laughs> That's what they need. Uh, I don't know. But I just feel like actually men don't get given that outlet to moan mm. about stuff. Maybe in the way that women do. I agree moaning is not great on either side. But I sort of feel like if you're going to have a hotline for problems I've got at work, women are not the only ones with problems at work. Agreed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, However, women are the only ones with this particular problem that we're going to talk about now at work. So, Emma, tell me what you've been reading about this week. Yeah, there's been an article about boobs at work. um, But uh, this is all about breastfeeding and saying that we should be encouraging women to breastfeed. Uh, You know, if you don't regularly breastfeed, then you lose your ability to produce milk for your child. And that actually workplaces don't actively encourage it. We should be doing kind of paid breaks so that... You know, we're we're proactively helping these women to breastfeed during work time. So I don't know how I feel about this because on the one hand, I think that if you have a baby and you come back to work, we should be doing everything to support you to make that as easy as possible. Um, however, it does also kind of seem to me that it's sort of still about how can we get you back in the office and bums on seats as soon as possible, not how can we support women with children? Yes, and also like the paid time. We're going to pay you time to breastfeed. I'm like, how come you're still paying people like per hour? Like if you are working at most companies, you should just be paid to achieve some objectives. So therefore, if you need an hour to go and breastfeed, like who's measuring that? Who's like, who's timing See, I heard it as something different again. So for me, it was like, why are you telling me what to do again? Why are we constantly, we can't drink or we should be breastfeeding and if you're going to go back to work then you must breastfeed and then you must send it home just stop telling us what to do I want a hotline that I can complain on (laughs) every time I feel like society the general medical council anyone is telling me what to do it's true work is like constantly work I talk I always talk about this work being school for grown-ups it's like we need to have all these rules for people like why do we just forget that when you're at work people are human beings Mm -hmm. and you just need to treat them like human beings you know like it just goes out the window Mm -hmm. like somebody need just let somebody get on with their life as long as they're doing the job why why are you monitoring that and why are you hindering that like why is that Mm -hmm. being hindered like Yes. And I think there's also something about bringing uh, people's personal lives in and treating the fact that you have a personal life as a work perk. 
So the fact that we still employ you when you have children, the fact that we still employ you when you are getting married and you've had honeymoons, that's that's a work perk. You're lucky to have that. Yeah. As opposed to just kind of saying, well, that's just life and it happens and we'll work around it with you. Yeah, the old school work mentality is I pay you a salary, therefore I own you. And I own you not only Monday to Friday, but you are committed to me and your whole life needs to revolve around my job. That Actually, I might make you redundant tomorrow if I feel like it. It's absolute nonsense. You know how feisty I get about the rules of work. <laughs> You don't like the rules. No, I don't like the rules. And the thing that I don't like is when work turns stuff like this into a PR stunt. Mm. So a few months ago, Microsoft actually did as a big press release the fact that if you were a working mother who was breastfeeding, they would UPS your breast milk. So if you had to fly to another country for work, you could still express and they would fly that milk back to your baby. And there was a really big part of me which was like, A why are you using breast milk as a PR stunt? And B, why are you sending a mother away from her child onto the other country when she could probably do it via a Skype call? That's so true. So true. That's it. There's all these awards now, and I think that's going to happen with, like, diversity or, you know, when we get women on... We're just going to celebrate all this stuff, and aren't we a most amazing company? It's like, no, you should have been doing this 10 years ago. Like, you're late. But how do you think the conversation would be different if we were talking about, you know, having making it easier for women to bring their children to work and making it acceptable for a woman to breastfeed in the office. So I think if we were talking about making it easier to bring children to work, what we're then saying is that actually maybe your children are just a part of your life that is bigger than work Mm -hmm. and that work is fitting around them rather than vice versa. The other thing that I think is sort of interesting is... um, the whole fertility debate Mm. and kind of because for women particularly it really plays into a certain age and a certain stage in your life so kind of generally mid-20s to early 40s there's that whole thing where actually you get really worried about how am I being perceived what are people thinking about me what do people have expectations around me um and I don't think workplaces help that they put a lot of expectations particularly on women in their early 30s about what they think they are and aren't going to do Whereas actually, if we talked about this is a work and you can bring your life into it. What do you mean? You wouldn't work for Facebook if for free freezing of eggs. Well, I mean, so uh, that's, I mean, on, that's on, the, on the work perks, you know, it is freeze on the your eggs, perks. we'll pay the money. No? no. Doesn't but appeal? do you know what's really interesting about that is that that's a relatively recent work perk for Facebook. However, what it comes under is like health insurance, because obviously Facebook, US company, all US companies provide health insurance. Um... On the men's health insurance, as standard forever, they've had fertility treatment. So if you have underperforming sperm as a male employee at Facebook, the fertility treatment to help you with that has been standard under your health insurance the whole time. It's only recently that fertility treatment for women was brought in. Yeah. But you know why? A man is not a liability at work, is it? That's the problem with women. You know, as long as women are the primary um, carers of children and society doesn't change that, women are a liability. They're the ones that want time off. So if you're you're employing people and you've got the choice of a man or a woman, you know that woman might take a year out of your business, you're going to go for the guy. So until we make even that equal, that everybody's a liability for your business, then women are never on an equal playing field. So does that feed back into making the workplace more of a PC place where, you know, we were kind of talking about this mansplaining hotline, which is a bit political correctness gone mad. But actually, do we need a bit more of that to develop an equal workplace? So most people know that I am I am the last person to go for anything PC. I am the, the least PC person you will encounter. So, no, what I what I think, firstly, people need to stop, stop telling everyone what they should and shouldn't do and when they can freeze their eggs and when they can whip their boob out and feed their baby and when they should be getting on a plane to to do this presentation and I think we need to think about the whole the workplace as a whole how do we make workplaces function so that the people that are coming into the business adding value doing brilliant things uh can get the most out of life and if getting the most out of life means having a family or having a hobby or having a side business we need to be able to accommodate that yep and if people want to to vent or people want to um you know talk about the different things that are going on in in their organizations they should have outlets to do that but this we should be able to UPS breast milk and it should be paid time it just it's a bit of a red herring in a conversation that should be how do we make workplaces 
best suited to people. Yes, for people to thrive, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It is. So it's really interesting. I was at a conference um, earlier this week with a really big tech company and they were saying they'd discovered that when um, when an employee was 1% more engaged with the company than previously, the value to their bottom line was $48 million. $48 million mm-hmm. for 1% more engaged. So we're going to be talking about how we create engaged employees and actually what the future of work looks like in our next section. Because if you've ever fancied being an entrepreneur or setting up your own business, we are going to get the wisdom and wit and brilliance of both Emma and Nat and a fantastic female entrepreneur telling us what it's really like and what you really need to know. So you can design a workplace that is perfect for you. We'll be telling you how to do that in part two. you want to start a business but you're not sure how well in section two we are telling you all about it because both my fabulous co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton are brilliant entrepreneurs and we're really lucky that this week we have been joined by Christy Bishop the co-founder of Drink Shop Do who's on the line and we're going to be chatting to her about how her business got started and what she's learned from it Christy thanks so much for joining us no problem. So tell us, um, just give us an overview of how Drink Shop Do got started. So basically, it was one of those pub bench conversations. Coralie and I have known each other, my business partner Coralie. Um, we've known each other since school, um, since we were 11. So after university, we didn't really know what we were doing, like a lot of people that leave university. Um, so we had a pub bench meet up and had one of those conversations of if if you could do anything, um, wake up one morning and have the dream job, what would it be? And then thought up all of our ideas and it turned out to be Drink Shop and Do. So you started it straight out of uni, no previous work experience? We had about a year um, in the workplace, but not doing anything particularly relevant to what we're doing now. Amazing. And in that time, what's been your, how long have you been going for, sorry? Six years. And in that time, what's been your biggest learning? Um, I mean, everything, really. We didn't know. And I think that's probably what we now realise is that we were so naive um, and didn't know anything that we knew now. To be honest, we both said if we knew what we knew now, we might not do it again Um, because we've learned everything as you go along. I mean, I suppose... Uh, dealing with doing a lot of HR um, that's been a biggest that's been the biggest learning curve um, and dealing with licensing so obviously we've got an alcohol license um, and in London um, that can be quite tricky so they're probably the two biggest things and just as an overview tell us a little bit for people who don't know about what drink shop do does so it's cafe by day, bar by night, fun things to do. Um, it's aimed, it's open all day, seven days a week, all night as well till 2am. Um, it's aimed um, purely at adults and um, it's somewhere where you can come along, have a drink. Um, we've got a shop aspect where everything's for sale um, and then events in the evenings that are adult entertainment. So anything from dance classes to something more class-based like screen printing or down to things that are just just for fun meant with a sense of humor and a strong drink like play with clay lego robots musical bingo that kind of thing i'm all about the musical bingo yeah it's really good fun matt do you have a question so firstly i just want to say um i love the concept because you put all of my favorite things together drinking shopping and doing (laughs) whatever everything really as long as there's drinking and shopping involved um so my my question is when you first started what was the big vision because i think lots of people go into business and they think it's going to be this amazing big thing we get really excited and then you start doing it 
and then you you know things scale back slowly but surely each year it's kind of like well let's do this and and or maybe let's take a couple of steps or let's make this slightly smaller so what was the big vision the vision was to once we'd found the space because the space really then enabled us to go wild because it's so big and it's so beautiful the vision was to entertain adults in a fun way so that it wasn't just about vertical drinking anymore it was getting hands-on but you could still have a drink kind of getting back to the idea of play um and then it kind of everything stemmed off of there really horizontal drinking is my favorite kind (laughs) (laughs) um christy what i'm really interested to know is what's been like a big highlight and are you and Coralie good at celebrating like small wins and big wins we try to be. We've got better over the years um, because as each year goes by, you think, oh, I've done it. How do we do it? Well, you, you know, you just, you, you sort of, they fly by and you then realise we've had to start keeping a list of all the things that we've achieved because we're such perfectionists. We find it easy to come hard on ourselves and sort of be, oh, we haven't done that yet. We haven't done this yet. Um, so we do celebrate. We had a really big fifth birthday party, which was great. Um, and I think we, we, we're pretty much, we're getting better at, um, at celebrating now, yeah. And what's been one of your most memorable moments in terms of building the business? Uh, definitely, I think it was probably in the first, um, in the first sort of six months. Um, we'd spent a few weeks, you know, we just opened the front door and it was just us at the beginning. We were doing absolutely everything, like the baking, the hosting, the waitressing. We were the bartender. We were the accounts department. <laughs> we were everything. Um, and there was one of our first nights where um, we had a, a full house and we had everybody drinking and everybody playing with clay and we had the music up loud and we had a bit of Lionel Richie on and everyone got the concept and it was at that moment that we then just high-fived each other and had like a little sort of running on the spot doing the cash dance being like we've done it we've cracked it everybody gets what we're doing because I think at the time we thought when we were trying to explain it to people when we were trying to explain it to our parents to get investment um then they you know everyone just thought that we were mad um so the first time that was when we were like yes everybody's got the idea so christy if you had one piece of advice for someone thinking of starting their own business but they're not sure what to do or how to get going what would that one piece of advice be basically the minute that you start to doubt yourself then you're probably not going to be able to make it work so don't be put off by any of the things that you don't know because that's the best bit, the fact that you don't know them. And if you are 100% sure that you can make it work because you are that passionate, everything else you can just find out. All you need is 100% faith in yourself and the passion and then everything else is just one, two or three questions away from asking somebody. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Christy. It's been lovely to talk to you and best of luck with all all your new adventures. Thank you very much. So we heard there from Christy about what it's like to really be an entrepreneur and the kind of tough times and the great times and the good stuff and also the stuff that's a little bit tougher. Emma, you wanted to talk about what it's like and why we idolise entrepreneurship. Is there now a cult around entrepreneurship? There definitely seems to be almost like a celebrity status around being an entrepreneur. And I think there's been a massive drive, there's awareness everyone seems to be being an entrepreneur everybody's a serial entrepreneur everybody seems to be throwing around investment or spending hours on like pitch decks and then I just think it creates this really distorted reality of one what it's like Mm -hmm. Uh, two no one seems to be able to say if they're having a tough time building their businesses or not three I really don't get a lot of these startups where they are literally they have an idea they have a pitch deck and they're all they're doing is going for investment rather than actually going out there testing the product and making it work you know there's a quite a lot of unlegit businesses going on there just for the sake of entrepreneurship so I think there's like this mystical I don't know like smoke and mirrors around entrepreneurship and I think that people don't realize a how hard it is and two perhaps they're just not being totally honest with themselves or with the world about you know what sort of state their business is in really Mm -hmm. And do you think there is that kind of cult of celebrity entrepreneurship? Because obviously, you know, some big celebrities are now classing themselves as entrepreneurs. So Will I Am, I think, would say he's an entrepreneur. Jessica Alba has the Honest Company. Like, Has it become 
something that people are aspiring to rather than the traditional celebrity route? See, I call it, uh, in some senses, egopreneurship. And that's not to say the people you've mentioned aren't entrepreneurs, mm, but there is an element of um, if I want to be known as something and I want to give myself credibility, I run a business. Um, and what you know, we can't necessarily pinpoint what that that business is. And for me, as I, I consider my, myself an entrepreneurship purist, you know, you have an idea, you go out there and you make it happen. And usually, there's graft and you have no resources. But I'm meeting more and more people that ask, you know, I have a thing with people that set up businesses and their business is helping other entrepreneurs. And I'm like, mm, but what else is the business? What what else is called? What else are you doing? What are the rest of the products and services? Because I think it's very difficult if you haven't been in that independent world to automatically say you know that you know what the psychology of an entrepreneur is yeah um and you know we were talking about that just the the emotional turmoil that some entrepreneurs go through and you know, in silicon valleys there's been a few cases of entrepreneurs and, and suicide rates there is that there's a whole brain thing that happens when in my mind you're sort of an entrepreneur in, in the purest sense it it takes the best of you and the worst of you and I think this this idea of of the egopreneur and what entrepreneurship is, you know, what's being projected means that, that people are they're not ready for that. And they don't realize that failure and things going wrong is a big part of of the journey and it, that's how you that's how you get to that place of success. So if we were to try and bust some of the myths of entrepreneurship, what would be the number one thing you would tell some young kid who wants to start off on their own business? Entrepreneurship is not Emma. Uh, entrepreneurship is not an alternative job. It's a, it is a different thing. It, how can I explain it? I think there's, there's a lot about entrepreneurship that's different than being employed. Like you, you know, you've got to be really passionate. You're ba who was it? When I was at Summit at Sea, they had the famous entrepreneur, and he's quite good for motivation. He can be a bit in your face. Is it Gary? Oh, Gary Vanich Vanich yeah. yeah, and he basically said entrepreneurship is like being punched in the face every day, 365 days in the year. And I was like, yeah. And actually, Natalie, you've always said entrepreneurship is moments of bliss with yeah. moments. What do you say? Moments of like. Well, at the moment, I'm going to say madness. Madness. Yeah. Bliss, madness, bliss, yeah. madness. And it's, you know, you. It's, it is really hard, but you have these moments of incredible amazingness mm -hmm. that you wouldn't trade for anything else yeah. and those moments of amazingness I never had when I was employed so let's break it down so you're sitting in your job nine to five you hate it you hate your boss you're miserable you've had a genius idea for a piece of inflatable toy that's going to go in a pool and everyone's going to buy it love it like a unicorn like a, <laughs> like an inflatable unicorn yes do you know how much they are by the way <laughs> they're an like 90 unicorn. quid yeah, the big inflatable I one. ones. I want to go to Ibiza and have it. That's, so, but that's, that's why I wanted project. to buy one to go to to go to Ibiza, <laughs> and they're really expensive. So whoever came up with that inflatable unicorn, especially the gold one, I'm like, I bow down. Just well, saying. there you go. So this person has had this idea. We all think it's genius, um, but they're sitting in their job. What is the first thing you should be doing when you want to start your business? What's the first thing you should be focusing? See, I'm on? I'm not going to say that. What I'm going to say is, this is the reality you need to be prepared for. You need to be prepared to wake up and work in your pants for like weeks on end and never have food in your house because you didn't have time to go shopping. And you need to be prepared to be punched in the face with reality because people are telling you your idea is crap. Day in, day out. You need to be prepared for people not paying you. So you need to be prepared to be in your overdraft, in your overdraft every week and be completely comfortable with that. And being so broke, I remember being so broke, I used to say, well, you can't be more broke than broke. And you need to be comfortable with being that broke. Um, you need to be prepared for people to tell you that they have no concept of what you're talking about. When you tell your friends about your idea, they're going to say you're a completely lunatic. Why are you giving up your job? And having people doubting you every single day. Be prepared for that. You also need to be prepared to, to, to you know, fake it till you make it. So you'll be on that really important call. And I'm going to go back to this pants thing because I spend a lot of time in my Calvin Klein's um, when I'm at home. And you need to be prepared to pretend that you're in a big glamorous office and realistically you're sitting on the sofa in your Calvin Klein's eating kettle chips whilst also trying to do a really big deal 
that is the reality when you first get started. Yeah. And if you're prepared for that and the punches punch in the face and no one believing in you, then I would say my three top tips are... But Go on. you can't be prepared for that. So A, you can't be prepared for that. And B, I would like to say, before I quit my job, both of you were like, yeah, do it. It's great. You'll love it. Have a fantastic time. I, Where was all this realism I think, then? <laughs> I think Natalie's having a dark day. I would definitely say that entrepreneurship really exposed me. And I think the biggest thing that I went through in that first year is one, building the business, but also because you go out there with your business, when you work for somebody else and you go in with somebody else's credentials and somebody else's idea, you're selling it. But if you get rejected, you're like, well, it was nothing to do with me. It's this company I work for. When it's your company, your idea, you're exposed. And I think in that first year, what I realized is all my insecurities, all my self-doubt, all my lack of confidence, all stopping me making money so you have to get over that pretty quick so I'd say that no one tells you about that the psychological kind of expose that you get when you set up your business and that's what I mean so it's not it's it's not it's not a dark day piece it's just it's the reality now and if you know if anyone comes to me and says I've got this amazing idea and this is what I'm thinking maybe two or three years ago I would have been like yes you know being an entrepreneur it's the best thing in the world but but actually I've seen so many people turn themselves inside out and not be mentally ready for what they're about to go through. So my, the, the lens I, or the, you know, the mirror I'm holding up to them now is, can you deal with the worst bit of it? Because if, if, yeah. if, if you can hear me say this bit and you're still interested, now I'll tell you how you can get started. But babe, I knew you'd be fine, you know. <laughs> You've been, you've been in this world for a long time. You've been a freelancer. It's a different... I think freelancers can cross over much easier than people that have had nine to five yeah. jobs. Because the, the psychology that having to feed yourself, yeah. not have someone else feed you, is exactly the same. Yeah, it's, a bit, it's so true. But I think also, you know, I'm coming up to four years now in business, but my my personal growth the way I've developed the way that my business shifts as I shift the things I learn the things I get better at the thing you know I look at the stuff I was doing in the first year and like oh my goodness I would never have done that I'd never put an email like that you know we'd never have done work like that I'd never have done that project and you know I see how far I've come in in four years and that is my drive to keep going because I'm like well How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What am I going to be in another four years? Mm. And I think that's that really beautiful thing, which is a the best entrepreneurs are the ones who develop and their business develops with them and that kind of excitement and drama is really what drives them but what we're going to be looking at in part three is kind of what happens when you've got that excitement and you've got that drive but it's just not working out anyway 
So in part three, we'll be doing our badass balls up. So all the problems you have that maybe you want us to solve. I don't know why you would, but maybe you would. <laughs> we're going to be applying our wit and wisdom to them. And we're also going to be looking at what happens when business goes wrong and how to, if they only need the answer to this question, I'd be so much happier, but how to find a single man in London. talking badass balls ups all the things that have gone wrong that you might want our help to fix and we will give you our very best advice although please don't sue us if it doesn't work so um first up this week we're looking at business and what happens when it doesn't go wrong <laughs> sorry <laughs> I just so, got <laughs> so first up this week we're looking at business and what happens when it's just not going right for you um and we have a caller natasha who's got a problem she'd like us to talk about Hi girls, um, I was just calling for a bit of business advice. Um, I set up an online shop, A Splash of Colour, just over a year ago um, and unfortunately due to lots of bad advice and lots of learnings along the way, being quite new to the industry, um, the business is now underperforming and I've now run out of money and unfortunately confidence um, to know really how to take the next step and move it forward. So it would be great to hear your thoughts. Thanks. So I think Natasha's obviously in a tough position there, although I do love a splash of colour as a business name. I think that's great. Yeah, it's a fantastic website, actually. And I know Natasha, she's one of our flock members, and I've got to know her from the beginning of her journey. And she is an incredible eye for design, interior design. She's got this beautiful website. She curates this amazing, um, like, furniture and prints and homeware. And she's just had some really bad advice. People have kind of taken advantage of her you know she's put money in she's invested a lot of money and I think she's just really like tired now actually you know when you've Mm. been battling and building a business by yourself especially an online business Mm -hmm. and you know I think she's just like I don't know what to do next I feel like it needs lots of investment what do I do so somebody once gave me a piece of advice when I was running something and it wasn't going very well and it looked like it was gonna have to close And they gave me the advice, which was don't let the hope kill you. And sometimes when we're so invested in something, we want something to work so, so badly, it actually drains us of the energy to make it work. And when we get really comfortable with saying, actually, if I let this go, I will still be okay, and something else will come and I will make something else happen. You've kind of taken a bit of pressure off yourself. You've stepped back from it and you've said it will be what it will be. And I can only give it so much of myself. And actually, the second I did that, things really turned around for me and it really, really changed. And I wonder if maybe for Natasha, a little bit of it is about just stepping back and saying, actually, do you know what? If this doesn't work out, that is not the end. Mm -hmm. There will be something else that's not a failure on my part. It's just a learning experience and I need to look at the next step. I love that advice because I think as well, I find that I think when you're an entrepreneur and you set something up, you have a vision, you do lots and lots of planning. So you can see what that business could do. You could see what the revenue could be. You you know, you know what that is. So I find that with my business sometimes I never appreciate what I'm doing and how far I've come. I always have this frustration of we could be doing more revenue. I want to be hitting these targets. And I'm really like, yeah, I, I know what my vision is and I get frustrated and I need to let go of that frustration, but it's so hard. And I wonder if there's something similar with Natasha. She's got big plans. She can see what it can be and it's frustrating. I mean, she's been going a year, so it's still she early needs days. some wins. So the key thing is, especially when she said, you know, the confidence bit, that really got me sort of in the heart because that is what entrepreneurs face and experience day in, day out. And, and hence, you know, what we were talking about before, but I think she needs she needs some wins. She needs to break down what what she needs to do within the business, maybe over a three month period, a six month period, into really small chunks, and get some yeses, get some people to back her. Um, maybe focus on what products sell really well, sell a few of those. Those sorts of wins just to build her confidence back up, and then take it one day at a time. I, I still do this now as, as fabulous and, and brilliant as businesses. There are some days where I just say, just get home. Just make it home to bed. 
and the, the day will be a success that's it you know i can't even plan a week ahead it's just just make it home just make it home without jacking anybody up yeah. <laughs> and all, all is good and it really is that simple sometimes i've just had a fabulous vision of you now on the tube just being like just let me off the tube please i just need to go <laughs> it would probably no, usually an uber it's usually an uber back of the uber and i'm that's the point when i'm like driver do not talk to me <laughs> do not, i cannot have a conversation with you right now because all i want to do it's the, the moment you get the key in the door and you know we're laughing about it but it, it really is you know when when your confidence is low and you know the business is is you know punching you in in the face you just want to get home yeah so that's yeah. what she needs to focus on small chunks focusing on a step by step each day and just making it home and she'll start to see things turn around great advice small wins that's what we all need yeah we all need some small wins i thought you said small wind we start with and then i realized it was small wind <laughs> i was like oh wind yeah let's have a wind <laughs> what well, just a wind machine just a wind. wind machine at home just a random wind maybe yeah, yeah. some trumps i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh nat what is your balls up of the week so my balls up of the week well, it was a conversation that i was having um with a colleague and she was asking about having it all she was saying you know how how do i have it all i want to be great at work i want to be great at home i want to be a great friend and you know you sort of have that set you know your hand on the heart and you're like it's not possible i say this time and time again having it all is not possible you can have it all your way at one moment in time but some there's a wake of destruction behind you and if you're striving for the best and you're striving for something big and brilliant there will be some mess there will be something that you're not doing well so how do you mitigate against the things that are going badly what we always seem to have this conversation as women about having it all i've never ever ever had a conversation with a man can he have it all yeah, because they get it all anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, I forget. <laughs> so that's what I think about, which is we never have this conversation with men about can we have it all because they never seem to worry about it. And I think that's for two reasons. So the first is there's maybe not the same societal pressures on men around, are you married? Do you have babies that we still put on women? And the second one is, I think, because they realise the very fundamental fact, which is if you want to have it all, you cannot do it all. And that is the difference. Mm. So if you want to have it all, you need to start delegating some of the doing of that out and let people bring it to you. There is a reason that women do on average 82% of all household admin and chores. It's because the men are having it all, but they're not doing it all. Mm. And that's why. So I think actually if she wants to have it all, in quotes, she needs to start looking at what do I need to not be doing here? What can I farm out? But also, what are the success measures? I mean, you could define having it all as... I like, it, but you know, do you not think benchmark. part of the challenges were were also held to a different standard? Um, so she was saying, you know, I want to be a good daughter and a good friend and all these other things. And I don't think, and I'm making an assumption here, but I don't think a group of guys are like, oh, you know, I haven't seen John for for three months. He's 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 neglecting me. He's not my mate anymore. It's just a bit like, well, you you see people when you see people. It's driven yeah. by judgment, right? Because you're worried about being a good friend. To me, being a good friend is showing interest, love and support. Being a good friend is not being a, not being there all the time for stuff. Like, there's different ways, different measurements of what a good friend is. I think so, and I think there's also um, this idea that you're living your life by somebody else's standards Mm. so there's a fabulous book which everyone should read which is the five regrets of the dying and it's written by um a nurse who specializes in looking after people as they're dying and it turns out that we basically all regret the same things and number one of that is that i lived my life by somebody else's standards rather than my own and so if for you having it all is being the perfect daughter being a great wife being a fantastic friend that's fine but decide what that looks like for you Mm. not what you think that looks like for someone else i also said just apologize so what i do with my family now if i know that it's going to be really really busy i send them all a message group group text i mean like la familia (laughs) going missing (laughs) three months lots of shit on bye (laughs) literally that basic um and therefore they and I, i might say so sorry if i missed some birthdays and a wedding thing and a thing and a thing. And some friends I send it to you too. Because I just, if I'm focusing on, on these five things, I just can't do that too. And I'm not going to put that pressure on myself. 
Yeah, something about managing expectations. Oh, massively. And being so. kind to yourself as well. I mean, you know. Yeah. Like, there's enough going on in the world. Just chill out a bit. Agreed, Emma. <laughs> so, um, I've got the final problem today, which is one that comes from my girlfriends collectively as a group, single girlfriends. Where are the single men in London? Oh, such a good question. And Such I, a question. let me tell you, I'm having a particular drama about this this week because I have been commissioned to write an article about taking dating offline. So I had to come up with a way to get a whole load of people to date without using any of the various apps that we're all so reliant on. So I thought, I know what'll be really easy. I'll hold a singles dinner and I'll get everyone to come and everyone who comes has to bring a single person of the opposite sex and we'll have equal numbers of single men and single women and they can all mingle and meet each other, have some food, have some wine, have a nice time and I'll wear a hat to their weddings. <laughs> and let me tell you, finding men to attend this has been a nightmare. An absolute nightmare. All my single girlfriends that I've invited have all come back and said, I really want to come. I don't know a single, single man. Where are they? That's not what they mean. They What they said is, or what they mean is, I don't know a single, single man that... I think is good enough to bring to your dinner. And if I did know one, I wouldn't be bringing him because I'd be dating him. <laughs> that was definitely that's my it. excuse. Yeah, that that's it. So the reality is, I think you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to to help you. I think I, your marketing strategy needs to change because yeah. I think guys are really visual. So I think I think women are much more like, what does this guy do? What's his personality like? Is he interesting? Are we going to connect onto stuff? Well, I think guys, their initial, I'm not knocking this, I just think it's different from nature, would be like, is there anybody there that I potentially might want to have sex with? And then put eight pounds above it. So meet these women yeah, eight pounds. Yeah, eight pounds each. And then they'd get worse. I think women you know, will go with the concept. Yeah, guys are much more black and white. It's yeah. like, is it a yes, is it a no? But taking this further... As single women about town, where do you meet single men? Everywhere. They are everywhere. The minute I decided not to do internet dating and I started going in the real world, guys, look at you. Guys, chat to you. You've just got to be open. They're everywhere. No, they don't, Emma. <laughs> I don't they do me. But well, they do, you, they do you. They don't me. I'll tell you that don't much. They? No. Well, that's maybe you've got your bitchy resting face. Oh, mates. If I hear this <laughs> one more time. I Look, I, I've done my grandma's... So, so, so there's this. What so, is bitchy resting face? Resting bitch it, face for the it, for the uninitiated. It, it, you kind of have to Google it. It's basically a face that you have when you're not thinking about something. I might just be thinking, oh, what's for dinner tonight? And it's the thing that the face does, where you basically look like a bitch. You look like you're about to kill someone, and it's not the case at all. It's just I'm thinking about something relatively neutral. I'm neither happy nor sad. Do you think that face is why men are too afraid to mansplain things to you? Then they're not. <laughs> that is exactly why men never mansplain anything to me. I've actually been told by a man who was trying to explain something to me to smile when he spoke to me. And I was like, "What? why? I don't understand. And it's like, because you look really serious. And I was oh. like, this is my face. Deal with it. Um, so maybe that might be the but only I mansplain. I do think there's something about looking approachable because I have the same bitchy resting face. The amount of photographs I've got from events and stuff that I've done that you can't use because I have got a bitchy no, resting face. My, my nana told me, think ple- pleasant thoughts. And yeah. I do that when I'm around men. <laughs> yeah. And Okay. But I do. When so I'm around I men. Not the rest of the time, but when I'm around Maybe men. Maybe we need a bitching resting face workshop and let's just see how approachable our bitchy resting faces are. Well, we're going out tonight, so... Should we try it? Should we try it? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Monday night. Are they going to... Yeah, they're... we're trying it tonight, actually. Single men in central London on yeah. a Monday night. Okay, but I want you to hold Emma to account because she said they're yeah. everywhere. Where are they? Come on. Okay, so we're going to revisit this next week. We're going to do a count Gosh, up Matt. as to how many single men were in central London we're on a start Monday counting. night. I'm going to get counted. I want a new type of Fitbit that allows me to count as a single man. Oh my god! Oh my! <laughs> and it's There's called Fitbit. An it's yeah. called yeah, Fitbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fitbit. <laughs> Fitbit. The real version. Are you an entrepreneur. And every Let's time, get investment for seriously, that. every time I'm doing you walk the deck past now. a fit man, you you click it. Yes. And therefore, we could count in different parts of London how many fit men there were. So West London versus East London. Yes, that's And then genius. you'd know where to go at any given time. Because, right, you're at home. You yeah. get a message from the Fitbit saying there are 25 hot men Hang in on. this space. It's called you- Happen. Yeah, it is called Happen, ladies. This app already exists. No, no, And we're supposed to be taking it offline. We're supposed to be taking it offline. You have oh, failed yeah. me completely. Sorry. 
I'm sorry. We're there gonna is find, no. Tonight we're going to find some single men for your dinner. That's our mission tonight now, okay? Thanks, ladies. So there is... Don't screw your face up. That's what's happening. No bitchy resting face. <laughs> so hopefully that's what's going to happen tonight. But who knows? I'm going to be hiding under my duvet hoping for the apocalypse. <laughs> and in part four, we're going to be asking, what would Coco Chanel do? That's right. We'll be looking at a backdated badass, some woman that you should really know more about. And we'll be talking to really the queen of the female entrepreneurs. So we are going to be talking about a backdated badass now, so a brilliant woman from the past that we think you should know more about. And this week's particular woman I am a big fan of because A, it's solved the what should I buy my mother for Christmas present really for the last five years. And she is the smell that I most love to smell. We are going to be talking about Coco Chanel and all the joys she has brought to the world. Emma, tell us a bit more about her. So Coco Chanel, I guess I didn't, until I started researching, I knew she was quite an entrepreneurial kind of icon, but I didn't really know her story. And uh, she she has had a really interesting career. Like She really did come from kind of nothing. She had quite a lot of tragedy when she was younger, like her mum died when she was 12. Um, her father just kind of left his kids and went off travelling to America, like you do. Um, and she found, at age 20, she just found a, shop, a job in a shop as a, a seller for, like, baby clothes and then kind of started her brand and opened up her first boutique, launched her perfume. She also kind of, like, closed her fashion house and then reopened it, like, 20 years later. So she's had a really interesting entrepreneurial journey, but I love some of her quotes. Mm. One of the best ones is this one, which is, the most courageous act is still to think for yourself aloud. I really like that. I love that quote. There's something that's really beautiful about the idea of it's not just thinking for yourself, it's then actually speaking the words as well. Okay, so have either of you ever had a moment where you have had to close something down and start again? Yeah, so... a couple of times my first business when I was in my last year of university I set up a Morgan clothing store thought it was going to be fabulous thought I'd have lots of all over the northwest um and I'd run off and and buy a house in the Bahamas and that didn't happen 18 months in I was on the tubes uh read the uh, opening the Eden Standard and saw 700 jobs go as Morgan declares bankruptcy and overnight I went from having a business to not having a business Um, lost a lot of money in the process in trying to rebrand it and make it work and that was kind of the first lesson in in what not to do Uh, and then with a very good company when we first started I went for that growth model bums on seat shiny office in Shoreditch and I hated it three years in I absolutely hated it so I took a step back and said what do I want and for me it was important to not have people working for me because they're just like little chicks especially when you're in that agency zone and M, you know this. So I decided to have a model where no one works for me, everyone works for themselves, completely liquid workforce, and I've never been happier. The other thing that really interested me in the Coco Chanel story was um, the kind of childhood tragedy. And there's actually lots of research that shows childhood tragedy in some form or other is sometimes one of the determining factors in people's success. So I think there's some wonderful stat, which is that pretty much up until David Cameron no up until Churchill I think every um, British PM had had a parent who died in childhood so just this really weird way that childhood tragedy kind of shapes us and moulds us the shaping is grit and resilience again it goes back to the conversation we were having earlier around can you deal with all of this can you deal with the punches in the face because the entrepreneurs that make it are the ones that can survive what can be quite painful experiences and I you know mentally painful long hours long days if you can if you can deal with that and usually if you've had some kind of uh trauma or 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 something that's had to build that resilience muscle you see these things as that you know they're completely doable they're not insurmountable yeah if you survive that kind of worst case scenario i must i've got to say i'm totally in awe of you with the fact that you set up at the age of 22 a morgan shop um, at age 22 there's no way i had the sorry sorry bravery 2021 21 like that is incredible like i i bow down to you for that because i just think that's an awesome story so i just so uh, that's as you said, you bow down. More? You want you some know, more ego no, no, boosting? <laughs> no, I had a song. I was, but, I was, but it's rude, a rude song, so I'm going to keep it to oh. myself. Yeah. 
right we'll add it into the edit yeah emma have you ever had that moment where you've had to kind of come back from something i've definitely had moments especially in the first two years of my business of having a massive wobble and going what am i doing i nearly shut down you know my business has two offerings it has a design projects and we use the liquid talent for that and then it's also consultancy and i had a massive meltdown because i think like nat i was trying to grow a business but i'm trying to like reinvent and redesign you know I had an unusual business model that not everybody was working to so you very much get pushed down by your mentors of you need an office you need staff and I was something in me that was like no this isn't the way but I had a massive like insecure wobble like last year and I was like no I just need to stop this offer it doesn't make any sense and I'm doing too many things and I just had a massive crash of confidence and then I just had to take a step back and go actually no this is fine proceed and it was the best thing I'd ever done so I think that my learning was you know like Christy was saying you've got to have a hundred percent conviction and I won't wobble from that now and you're obviously also a branding expert so that's kind of your field that's what you're really good at Chanel one of the most iconic brands of all time what can we kind of learn from that importance they place on branding on really having a beautiful recognizable logo really knowing what your brand stands for why is that important it's really important I think what's been really good with Chanel is that they've just had a very simple logo and I remember um, Joe Malone so we used to do work for Joe Malone a few years ago and I was working with an agency so I knew Joe Malone's story and the packaging that they have which is very iconic it's very simple actually came out of the need of they had minimal money the print runs need to be as cheap as possible so that was designed like form over function but the more um, your brand just plays a really important part in the emotional connection that people build with your brand and that's the most important thing about your business now I, I constantly get frustrated with these conversations about competitors because I don't think you have any competitors now because there's a million people doing what you're doing what there isn't is a million people doing it the way that you're doing it with the experience that you're going to bring to it mm-hmm. so your brand is all about the experience that people have your brand so having a good visual identity is all part of building that emotional experience. So you want that really to connect with audiences and for that to match the expectations of what you then deliver as your product or your service. So it's really interesting. So I, um, I was in a very high-end department store the other day buying my mother's Christmas present, which is always Chanel Cristal perfume. And um, because I'm a terrible rapper and my mother was taught because she worked in a department store so she was taught to rap beautifully so she always judges my rapping oh, my rapping um, is terrible it's awful so I get the department store to do it for me and they did it and they did it beautifully and they wrapped it all up in this fabulous paper with this beautiful ribbon and it took 10 minutes and I was sitting there tapping my toe and being like can we just get on with it already but at the end of it you have this beautiful bag with this beautiful gift in it and you feel like it's something really special and iconic And that's what people pay for, I guess. Yes, definitely. And, you know, the more you concentrate on your design, it doesn't even have to be intricate design. It just has to be well-considered design. You can charge more for your your product. You know, people will buy into that, the way something looks, the way it makes them feel when they buy it, when they have it on display in in their house or who they're buying it for. So you can really play to that as a business or an entrepreneur. And if I can just build on that. So to those of you listening, don't then forget that that also means you. Don't expect someone to spend lots of money buying your product or service if you rock up looking a mess. And it's controversial, but women often say to me, you know, what's the difference? And a, a friend of ours, Emma Sinclair, said it. Get yourself an expensive shiny bag and a good pair of shoes and walk into that meeting and you're more likely to seal the deal than if you don't. So Nat and I kind of fundamentally disagree on this because we have like a view about lipstick. I hate it. Nat. Love it. Yeah. So more of a fan. And I just would never judge somebody whether or not they were wearing lipstick. Very strong views. <laughs> um, but that, that idea of kind of how you personally brand yourself, how you turn up, how you present yourself and that going through everything that you and your company do. Do you think that was something that Coco Chanel knew when she started out yes you know all of her quotes but she was also the lady that says take one thing off before you leave so it's not Mm. about being spangly and shiny and and overly in anyone's face if that was your brand yeah if if it's your brand yeah um but for her it was definitely about be polished be finished and that translates to whatever it it means for for people at home 
But I think going back to Emma's point, exactly as you were saying, people buy into brands. So if you're at home thinking, you know, what's the next step? Think about you just as much as you do your product or service. Because whether we like it or not, as human beings, we are... We are quite judgmental. We do make opinions. We form opinions about everything from individuals to websites in about three seconds. We are visual creatures. So you can either play to that and make it work in your favor or you can work against it. So, But I think there's a difference between being judged on your appearance and actually expressing your personality through, through your clothes. I'm much more of the latter. I don't think you should be judged on what you wear, but I think you should, you know, express yourself through clothes and style yeah i agree when we're not talking about business i'm not saying i judge anyone but i'm saying if you walk into a meeting and you look shaggy they're not gonna buy your product or service they're not if you're going to look like shaggy or you look shaggy both i don't know why that word specifically but i mean if you're walking in you know you're going into a pitch and you walk in like you don't really give a care and then you say, I'm going to create the most iconic, amazing experience for your brand. Something in their mind is connecting you as a person with what you're saying. And there's a fundamental disconnect there. That is just contextual analysis 101. That's yep. all I'm saying. Yep. I think that's true to a point, but there's also like, can you deliver it? We place so much emphasis on style over substance. We really do. And you know yeah you don't want somebody turning up looking like they've just rolled in from the night before but you also like you want somebody who's good you want somebody who's going to deliver some amazing stuff yeah you do but <clears throat> i think you've got to work harder because if someone's never worked with you before or met you they'll make a lot of probably negative adjustments on you so you might not even get the chance to show how amazing you are it's almost like you have to win the deal and then yeah do you think that's more pointed for women than men no i don't actually mm, interesting i agree so there's when I see trendy shaggy looking people I'm like okay like you've made it cool so Shoreditch you know busted Converse I I would never wear that I'm sorry I'm not interested in making Converse look old I want new Converse Um, but there is a look and I think a look that plays into being in design or a creative industry and men probably get away with it more than women so so I I can visualise that kind of that that guy and he might throw on a on a definitely blazer. got a beard. He's a definitely beard. got a he's got a beard, but it's, it's part of a style that translates to other people. I think women, it, it's harder for a woman to present in that way at that initial sale. That's what I'm talking about. The initial sales period. After that, cool. But at that initial stage, that's my advice. So that's what we always knew. Beards good for men, not so great for women. Um, <laughs> so what is our badass principle of the week? Coming into our closing moments, Nat, tell us what should we be thinking about this week? Our badass principle this week is redefine work. And it goes back to our whole conversation for today, which has been about business and industry and being yourself and not focusing on having having it all. And it's saying redefine work on your own terms. Bring whatever it is that 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 you think work should be to the table be honest about it um and if the nine to five doesn't work for you figure out what what does if um you you're struggling to do everything that you feel like you should be doing stop it's redefining it for you emma if you're going to redefine work what would be the one thing that you would do I'm already redefining work because I just hate all the work rules. So the one thing that we've got is unlimited holidays. We work wherever we want because technology allows that. And I think give the people you're working with autonomy and trust. That's the biggest thing that work doesn't do. And actually, that's what people thrive on and really enjoy. Yeah. For me, if we were going to redefine work, the one thing that I would ask every company to do would be to pay part-timers more. So actually to stop looking at paying part-time work based on the ratio of hours and to actually say, is this person worth the money regardless of how many hours they're working? Let's just pay them that money. Yeah, what are they delivering? Objectives. Everyone should be on objectives. Yeah, so we have output-based work. I'm not paying you for your time. I'm paying you for what you deliver. If you do that in one day or 10 days, I really don't care. It's about the delivery. Yeah. Yeah about what you're worth that's what we like um so this has been the badass women's hour we have discussed all things business we hope that you are going to go away and rethink lots of things about the way you work about whether or not you should be breastfeeding in the office about hitting up the mansplaining hotline just to have a little chat with someone tell them about your day um 
First of all, we want to say many thanks to our guest this week, Christy Bishop from Drink Shop Do and Natasha Brody from asplashofcolour.com. Um, we're going to put their websites in the show notes so you can see them. Do check them out. They're both brilliant businesses and they need your support. Um, but we will be back again next week with more words of wisdom, more opinions and probably a lot more debate. And hopefully in that time, Emma and Nat will have trawled the bars of London and rounded up as many single men as they can possibly find. I want a minimum of 10 from each of you. That's a smart goal. Yeah, smart, targeted. <laughs> That's what we like. Um, we'll be back again next week, so listen to us then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.